بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله اللهم افتح علينا حكمتك وانشر علينا رحمتك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام وصلي لهم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله الكرام ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله بسم الله so So, وقد أكثرت من هذه المثل المنصوص على أنها جائزة ومنها ملتزمة ملتزمة دبر كل صلاة كالغناء الذي ذكر الشاطبي ومنها ملتزمة أربعين مرة في كل يوم لرؤية ريئة في النوم كما ذكر الشاطبي أيضا ومنها ما فعل عمر عند الخروج من الخلاء على غير وضوء ومنها ما هو من الراحات أو العادات تنبيها على أن من وقف عندها وعند ما يشبهها قصار ما أقول إنه ظالم لنفسي إن لم أقل إنه مقتصد ولا أقول إنه مبتدع أو ضال بل إن فعل شيئا من هذا قبل تسليمه التحليل من الفرد صحت صلاته عند أبي حنيفة وإن فعلها بعد السلام وقبل تسليمة الرد صحت صلاته وفعل بدعة مذمومة إذ حقيقة البدعة المذمومة حسب ما يأتي هي التي تميت السنة أو تكاد تفضي إلى إماتتها وإن فعلها بعد تسليمة الرد صاحب صلاته بإجماع وفعل جائزا So he says that he mentioned a lot of these examples like the example of the imam who sang after the prayer uh, and uh, that imam Shatibi mentioned or the imam al-Kattani who saw in a dream that the Prophet ﷺ said if you say 40 times every day يحيو يا قيوم لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك لا إله إلا أنت if you say that 40 times يحيو يا قيوم لا إله إلا أنت you know if you say that he said your heart won't die so he said that people and this is where this is a problem in because there are dhikrs that people have received in dreams and so people will say that's not mansus that there's no sharia that uh, there's nothing from the prophet that said that and this is a khilaf issue some of the ulama said you know that they they say the ibadat are tawqifiya and so you can't do any and the ibadat are tawqifiya but dhikr is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said udhkurullaha dhikran kathira dhikr is mutlaq so as long as the the sigha is in our tradition, it's not a bid'ah, like things saying subhanaka or yahyu ya qayyum, la ilaha illa anta, um, those type things, we have them in our religion. Adding a number to them, some of the ulama said that that's uh, not acceptable. What he's saying is that other scholars said that it was permissible to do that from like a dream if he had it. It's important though that people understand that those things are not uh, there's the 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 nadab the nadab the recommend the recommended act is the dhikr 
And if something was revealed to somebody through a dream or something like that, it's probably personally for him to do that. Some of the shiuch have awrad and things like that that they put together, as long as they're all from the, the tradition. And we know that some of the sahaba had their own du'as. And the Prophet Sallallahu like the, the man who the Prophet Sallallahu was praying and he heard him say when he said Rabbana wa rakat hamd hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi that was from one of the Sahaba and the, the Prophet Sallallahu looked at him and, and he said where did, where did you get that from and he said it was just something I wanted to say and the Prophet said he, that he heard the angels responding to that so some of the ulama in Maliki Madhab, they don't say that. But in some of the Madhabs, they do say that from that Sahabi. Now, obviously, the Prophet aqarrahu ala dharika, and so it's from Sunnah to taqrir. Because there's a Sunnah of taqrir where the Prophet says something is acceptable, then it's a Sunnah to do it even though he might not have initiated it. And there are many examples of that. But you, you can make dua in the prayer. Like when you're in sajda, you can say your, your, your du'as. The best ones to say are the ones the Prophet ﷺ said. But you can say, Allahumma wafiqni lima tuhibbu. You know, there, there's different things. So this is the point that he's making. As long as it's from the, the acceptable dhikrs, then there are, are ways that these have been transmitted and, and people should not um, get troubled uh, by those things. And then there are things uh, that... Uh, there are things uh, that are uh, he he said about certain things like Omar there are things that people do that are just customary their norms or practices that they do and what he says is um, that the furthest that we could say about many of these things is that he's he could be doing something better. But he said, I would prefer to say he's muqtasid because he's doing something permitted. But we certainly shouldn't say that he's mubtada' or dal. Right? We shouldn't go to that extreme. Um, and, and he makes mention about uh, certain things that people would do before they got out of their prayer um, that they added or something like that. And, and again, he says that um, some of these things are bid'ah madhmuma uh, because the reality of a bid'ah is, and this is important, the reality of a bid'ah madhmuma is what causes the sunnah to die. So if you're leaving something of the sunnah and doing something that's not of the sunnah, and that by doing that thing, you're actually causing the sunnah to die, that's a bid'ah madhmuma. Because in that situation, there is a sunnah, and you're replacing it with a bid'ah. And, and so that's an important distinction. And then he said, in But if they leave those things to what's more beneficial, or khayrun mimma tarak, so he says that if you do something that you could have done something 
you're doing something better, then that's the 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 sabiqun bil khairat. So you've left something uh, uh, that is less worthy, and you're doing something more worthy. And then he says, uh, he says, فَهُوَ كَقَوْلُ الْعَمَّةِ بِرُوحِهِ مُضِلٌ لِغَيْرِهِ the one who's who's confused in his own soul, he's going to lead others astray. so again, he's, he's talking about, you know, things that people do, uh, that they, they practice in and of themselves from things that are acceptable. Um, you can't put them uh, lower than mubah. So they might not be uh, the best things to do, but you shouldn't in any way uh, attack them for doing them. And he says that the... Uh, سيأتي أيضا للأئمة الذين لا ينعقد للمسلمين إجماع بدونهم من شافعية ومالكية أن مختلف في مشروعيته فقال بعض الأئمة إنه مكروه وقال بعضهم إنه مستحب إن فعل ذلك إن فعل ذلك أفضل وقال عز ابن عبد السلام وذلك كرفع اليدين وقال إنما قلنا هذا لأن الشرع يحطات لفعل المندوبات كما يحطات لفعل الواجبات so he's saying that if there's a difference of its permissibility or not, then some of the imams, for instance, said it was makru, uh, not encouraged, and others said it was mustahab, it was encouraged. He said, inna fi'la dharika afdal. To do it is actually better in that type of situation because it, it's, it's, it's an area of, of difference of opinion. I'll give you an example. Reading Quran for dead people. That's a khilaf issue. The majority of ulama say it's permittable. Some say that it's not. In that situation, what Ibn Rushdin said, this is an ikhtidaf in the rahmah of Allah. The difference here is about the rahmah of Allah. Are, can you help the dead with your recitation and give it to them or not? He's saying it's better to err on the side of rahmah. That yes, that will benefit that person. So, so here's an example where the, the imams differed, but they said... This is a difference about Allah's mercy. And we should uh, encourage people to help the dead. Because one of the things of our ummah, and uh, uh, Martin Links has a beautiful poem about religions and remembering the dead. Because so, this is something that we do, we remember the dead. And this is why Muslims always say, when, when they mention dead people, Rahimahu Allah. Because those things help those people. And, and so we don't forget that we're going to hope that people will يترحموا علينا after we die, they'll actually say those things. Because these are dua for these people. The Prophet ﷺ said, if somebody dies and you get enough people to do shafa'a for him, 40 people with good hearts, and, and, they, and they pray over him, he'll be forgiven. For, and this is why for janazah, it's encouraged to have a lot of people to come and pray janazah because it's going to help these people. So we should, we should think about the dead and remember the dead. And when we do, we say, Rahimullah, especially our parents or our, um, you know, and others. Um, 
uh, the righteous. Like people, if you mention the Prophet's name, you should say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, it's enough to call a man a miser who hears my name and doesn't give me the benedictions. Because, and, he's, and it's not him boasting, it's, it, it's not like, look at all I've done for you, but look at all he's done for us. Right? He's not saying that to us. He's, he's saying that that person who can mention my name without saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this man has not contemplated what I did for him. And, and the same is true for the great ulama. Radiallahu anhu, qaddasallahu sirruhu, rahimuhu Allah. We say these things as an act of gratitude. Man lam yashkuri nas, lam yashkuri If you haven't shown gratitude towards people, you certainly haven't shown gratitude towards Allah because those people are the asbab by which Allah has given you good. And so it's really important to keep that in mind. Um, and, and so he said, like raising the hands, for instance, in the dua, the mawlid is an example of that. Ikhtilaf issue, the majority said it was permissible, a minority said that it was a bid'ah. Um, that's fine, if people don't want to do it, they don't do it. There's certainly those people, and to be fair, those people are not doing it because they want to follow the Prophet So what's the impulse behind them not doing the mawlid is not because they don't love the Prophet or don't want to celebrate the Prophet, it's because they want to follow the Prophet and they said, he didn't tell us to do this. And, and the Masada to Tark is a khilaf issue. If he, if he didn't do something, some of the ulama said, you shouldn't do it. But other ulama said, no, it just meant that he left it up to you. So these are masail that are related to what's called Tark. They're issues related to Tark. And Shaykh Abdullah bin Bayyah wrote an extraordinary book called Al-Mashahid Min Al-Maqasid about this very issue. That many things have been left to us. You can't add five uh, rakats to dhuhr. That is bid'ah muharrama. But if you want to pray 20 rakats before dhuhr, it's nafida. The, the Prophet's practice was four. Before and four after. But there's nothing that says you can't pray 20 if you want to pray 20 and you have the time. So there's things that you can do as long as you understand the Prophet prayed four. There's things that you can do that are left for us. You could pray a hundred rakats at night. But the sunnah is eight rakats or ten rakats. But you could pray a hundred if you want. You can add more. Those things are left to you. That's tark. The same with the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ recited the Qur'an. He, he said, don't recite it in more than three days. Right? So... But some of the great scholars recited the Qur'an in one night. And that's wadid, even on some of the Sahaba. But the Prophet ﷺ said, don't do it because you won't understand it that way. And part of the purpose of the Qur'an is tadabbur. The best is to do it every month, once a month. That's the, the tradition. That's why there's 30 hizb. One hizb a day. That was the tradition of, of many Muslims around the Muslim world was to do a hizb. And then they did 60 Jews. So you do a Jews in the morning, a Jews in the evening, a Jews at uh, Fajr, a Jews at uh, Asr. Uh, they used to do it after Asr because they often did it in the masjid in group recitation like they do 
in uh, Morocco. That's also Masaratul Tark. The Prophet ﷺ did not do it in group recitation, but there's no delil that it's uh, prohibited to do it in group recitation. That what what Ibn Mas'ud said in that tradition is something different because the Hadith in Sahih Muslim says, That if a group gets together in a house from the houses of Allah and recites the Quran together, then uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that the sakina will come down on them. Right? So that's the blessing of doing that. And so traditionally they would gather uh, and recite. And Imam al-Nawawi, one of the great mutabi'in, I mean he's one of the great followers of the sunnah, Imam al-Nawawi said in his book on the Qur'an that Gathering together to recite the Qur'an in a group is fadila. وَفَادِرٌ مَنْ دَعَيْلَيْهَا It's a virtuous act, and he is virtuous who calls people to do that. You know, these things, traditionally, people did these things because much of it, when we gather together, if there's no dhikr, there's no real barakah in the gathering. There should be some dhikr in the gathering when you get together to talk about God, to remind each other. Many people, when they get together, it's ghiba, it's namima, it's zur, it's kithib, it's all these horrible, bad qualities of the tongue. And so this is what he's saying. And then he says, Imam al-Qarafi said, So, this is from Imam al-Qarafi, who wrote a very important book called Furuq. And, and he said, the one who's saying that this is from the sharia is called a muthbit. He's asserting that an act is from the sharia. And the one, لِأَمْرٍ لَمْ يَطَّلِ And he's saying it often because of something that the one negating it is unaware of. So for instance, if somebody says, you can't uh, sit in a circle and do dhikr together, because he knows the hadith, uh, the athar on Ibn Mas'ud from Ibn Mas'ud. But the other one, looked at the hadith, مَجْتَمْعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بِيُوتِ And And so he says, this is a delil that you can do it. It's a proof that you can do it. So what he says is, the muthbit is muqaddam ala nafi, generally. The one asserting something is taken before the, negate, the one negating. Unless obviously the delil is very strong, but generally when, the, when there's, uh, when the, the adilla uh, are, are, when there's ta'arab, then, you know, you look at the muthbit, uh, before the nafi. So he's muqaddam. Qad al-Shaykh al-Shaykh ibn Lubbin, إذا كان عمل الناس على قول لبعض العلماء فلا ينبغي إنكاره. So that one of these great, Ibn Lubbin, uh, was, was, uh, was one of the great shaykh of Granata. Uh, in the Dibaj al-Mudahib, he said, كان الشيخ الفاضل عالما متفننا انفرد برياسة علم وإليه كان المفزع في الفتوى وكان إماما في أصول الدين وأصول الفقه وتخرج به جماعة من الفضراء وله تآليف مفيدة. So this is what uh, in, in Dibaj ibn Farhun's tabaqats, uh, the, the biographical literature of the Malikis, he said about Ibn Lubbin that he was well-versed, a great scholar, well-versed, he was unique in his leadership of knowledge at his time, and, every, and he was the one that people referred to for the fatwa at his time. He was an imam in usul al-din, aqidah, usul al-fiqh, and, and, and also uh, juristic reasoning, 
and many great scholars, virtuous, came from him. He also has many good writings. So he, Ibn Lubbin said, If people would just follow this one qaida, we would eliminate so much of the problems that are in our community. He said, if people are doing an act based upon a valid scholar's opinion, then it should not be rejected. It shouldn't be rejected. So if you have ulama that say, you can do this thing, and other ulama that say you can't do it, leave people alone, they have their delil, and leave them alone, Especially if the difference of opinion is in whether or not it's makru or not. And the best is to see that it's a good thing and you should hasten to do good things. And, and this does not contradict what sometimes an ignorant person, because of his ignorance, believes. So he said that, you know, there are things that we do in wudu, for instance. Uh, in wudu, you're, you're supposed to put the ina on the right side, right? So, so, but, and I learned that, right? But then I was with Marat al-Hajj, and he put it on the left side. So I was like, you know, aren't you supposed to put it on the right side? This is ignorance. Instead of saying, oh, Hmm, he put it on the right side. What's the wisdom in that? Well, I found out later that if it's a closed ina and you have to pour, then you put it on your left side. So if it's open, you put it on your right side. If it's closed, you put it on your left side. These are the adab of wudu. And that's what he's saying. You have certain things that are, are from the adab also in prayer, in fasting, in doing other, you know, breaking your fast in Egypt. It's wajib to have amruddin. <laughs> By urf. You know, it's like you haven't broken your fast if you don't have this. Right? That's just the urf of the people. I'm exaggerating. Obviously, it's not wajib. But that's their urf. There's certain things that people do that become part of their culture. And, and people see it as it's just part of the culture. So there's certain things that you do. And then he says, these are things like, for instance, doing after finishing wudu three times. That's a practice that some of the righteous do. And I found it in, uh, in more than one book. Marabd al-Hajj did it. I haven't seen it uh, like a hadith or a dilio for it. So I don't know where that came from, right? But that's something that the righteous have done. And that's what he's saying. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, he said, Nobody said to stop it, out of fear that people will think it's an obligation. And then he said, now some people find it a little 
problematic what Malik said about going against this principle in fasting the six days of Shawwal. Imam Malik said about the six days of Shawwal, he considered it makru to do it immediately after Ramadan. So you, you, you do Ramadan, you have the Eid, which is prohibited to fast on the Eid, and then you have these six days. The hadith says, مَنْ أَتْبَعَ رَمَضَانَ بِسِتْنٍ مِنْ شَوَالٍ فَكَأَنَّمَا صَامَ الدَّحْرِ Whoever follows Ramadan with six days from Shawal, it's as if he, he's fasted uh, all of, uh, of the year. But obviously because 30 days and then six, 360, the year is 354 lunar, 365 solar. 360 is like fasting the whole year, right? So each being 10 times the... The, so it's as if he fasted the whole year. So Imam Shafi'i said the min here is the min of tab'ib. It's a partitive min. And so it means you have to fast it in shawwal. And the best is to follow it up immediately. So Imam Shafi'i said you should do it right there. In Yemen, it's almost part of Ramadan in some places in Yemen. For people who have been in Yemen, if you go to Yemen, it's like Ramadan continues for six days after the Eid. And they do it as a group, and they break the fast as a group. Imam Malik has a something in his medhab in which sometimes he will leave something that's good out of fear that people will think it's an obligation. And so he said this is a problem, considering these things. And so this is an ishkat. Imam Malik said... The, the six days of shawad, that min is called min al-ibtida. Because you have different types of min. You have min al-bayan. وَنُنَزِّرُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ الشِّفَاءُ وَرَحْمَةِ Min al-Qur'an, all of the Qur'an. Min there, you bayin jins. You bayin al-jins. So it's min al-bayan. And then you have akaltu min al-khubzi. That's a partitive min. Tab'eel. I ate from the bread. I didn't eat the whole bread. I ate a portion of it. That's min al-tab'eel. So min shawal means to fast six days from Shawwal. Then you have min al-ibtida, ataytu min Mecca. I came from Mecca, beginning in Mecca. So Imam Malik said that min in the hadith is the min of ibtida. Ibtida and min Shawwal. As long as you fast, beginning from Shawwal, and complete those six days before the next Ramadan, you've, you've fulfilled the sunnah of that hadith. That was Malik's position. Which one is right? They're both right. That's musawiba. And if you look at Imam Sha'rani's Misan, what he says is, some do the tashdeed and some do the tarkhis. And the Imams, when they differ, there's murakhis and mu'azim. So in, in this case, Imam Malik is the murakhis, he's giving you more leeway, and Imam Shafi'i is the mushaddid, he's narrowing the possibilities. And this is a rahmah for the ummah, ikhtirab ummati rahmah. So he says that, and then he says, ثُمَّ قَالَ فَهَذَا جِهَارَةٌ عَظِيمًا مَا حَمَلَ مَنْ أَنْكَرَهُ عَلَى إِنْكَارِهِ إِلَّا أَنْهُ أَبْصَرَ مَا أَمَامَهُ وَلَمْ يَلْتَفِتْ إِلَى مَا خَلَّفَ وَرَاءَهُ He said, this is a type of ignorance. So uh, the one who rejects these things based on this, he said, uh, he said, أَبْصَرَ He can see what's in front of him, but he can't see what's behind him. In, in other words, 
He doesn't hafidta shay'an wa ghabta anka ashya'u. You know something, but a lot of things are hidden from you. Waqafa ala ba'di masail fil madhab wa lam yahtadi li wadihi sabirihi wa la sha'ara bi wajhiha wa dalilihi wa la ولا علم اختلاف العلماء في أصلها ولم يعطيها من الفهم وتأمل حقها ورأى أن العمل بخلاف من تاه إليه فهمه فيها فظن أن لا علم إلا ما علم ولا فهم إلا, ما إلا دون ما فهم استحقر العامة والدهل الخاصة ورأى أنه وحده على الجادة وصار في قيامه على الناس بالنكير كما قيل إنباض بغير توتير وحاذ ليس له بعير amazing statement really beautiful he said, look at this ignoramus. He said, he thinks that he's got the only understanding, he's got the only delil, that all this ikhtidaf is just from this ignorance. He didn't give it proper understanding. He didn't reflect on the haq. He sees that anybody that goes against him, it's obviously because they have no understanding. He thinks that there's no knowledge except his knowledge. There's no understanding except his understanding. He considers the Amma idiots. He, con- he considers the Khasa ignoramuses. He thinks that the common people are stupid. And he thinks that the, the uh, elect are ignorant. He thinks he's the only one on the road to God. So he's just criticizing everybody, condemning everybody. Like it said, he's strumming without any strings. And he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, stirring the camel on without any camels. Ba'du karam Sheikh al-Shuqi bin Lub. So that's, that's, uh, plucking without strings, right? And stirring the camel on without camel. Like he's, he's got no, nothing to be doing what he's doing. So this is from Ibn Lubbin. This is deep understanding. This is the only thing that would unite our ummah, is this type of understanding. And, you know, it's like he, I feel like he, he was in Andalusia watching the collapse of his ummah in Andalusia because they all started fighting and there were all these muruka tawaif and everything. And it's like he just put this book out to the rest of the ummah. You know, if you guys want to hold yourselves together, we couldn't do it here, but here's the way. You know, that really, that's how I feel about this book. It's kind of like, practice this, or, or else it's going to happen to you what happened to us. And then he says, وَهَذَا تِكَرَمْ عَلَيْ أَيَضَانَ السَّيْدْ مُفْتِتُونَ سَدْ بَرْزَرِي فِي الْمُنْكَرِ الدُّعَاءَ أَدْبَرَ صَرَوَاتُ وَنَحْوَ ذَلِكَ قَائِلًا لَمْ تُسِيرْ لَمْ تُسِيرْ بسيرة السلف في أن الأمر بالمعروف يكون بمعروف وقال سبحانه وتعالى فقولا له قولا لينا وهذا إذا كان مأمور به واجبا بإجماع أو المنهي عنه محرما بإجماع وأنت قد عمدت إلى مستحب جائز الترك أو مكروه جائز الفعل أو مباح وغيره خير منه وجل ذلك أو كله مختلف فيه سو he said, these people, this is Imam al-Barzuli, one of the great Tunisian Imams. He said, these people are not following the Salaf in commanding to good, because you have to command to good with a good. Look at what Allah said to Moses and Harun when they go to Fir'aun. Pharaoh, speak gently to him. And that's Pharaoh. So what about this poor Muslim? Right? How are you going to command him to to good. 
And, this, and he said, in this, we're talking about things that are wajib by ijma', their obligations by consensus of the ummah, or they're prohibited by consensus. These guys are looking at things that are recommended that you don't have to do, or makru that, that, that you can do, or mubah, where you could do something better than it. And most of these things are, are muhtarafi. We have difference of opinion about them. ثم ذكر عن هذا الذي هو يتحدث معه أنه كبر هذه الأشياء وصيرها مناكير وقال قصارها الاستحباب والكراهة أو رباحة على اختلاف فيها أو في بعضها تركت أو فعلت لموجب قابل للاستحباب والكراهة أو الإباحة وأخذ فيها بغير مذهب مالك المرجح وجرى عليه عمل الناس من غير نكير so he says uh, that these things were mentioned, that he's making a big deal out of these things and turning them into uh, manakir. Uh, and and the, the, the furthest you could say about it is istihbab, it's recommended or it's, it's makru or it's ibaha, based on the differences of opinion, leaving them or doing them uh, based on whether they're encouraged or uh, not recommended or permissible. And then they take, other than the madhab of Malik, which was the, the madhab that they were encouraged to follow in that country, and, and, and they, and it's what people practice without any, nobody telling them not to do it. You're gonna learn that this hisba, this regulatory mechanism in our sharia of Calling to good, enjoining good, and forbidding evil is not an easy thing. انظر النصوص الصريحة بالنحي في القرآن والسنة في مثل هذه الأمور أعني مما هو وارد على ما في ملك الإنسان أنه نهي أذب أو إرشاد أو نهي تحريم حسب ما أبينه في المقام السادس قصار أمره إن لم يكون النهي عن فاضل لأفضل منه أنه مكروه والمكروه من قبيل الجائز. So he said that. Look at these clear texts about prohibition in the Qur'an and the Sunnah uh, in many affairs. And I'm talking about, for instance, what concerns a man's personal property. It's a nahyu adbin wa irshad. For instance, there's a, a nahi of uh, some of the ulum put of having a wasiyah for ahl dhimma right? So people that aren't from your own uh, religious community, you don't give them things in your will. That nahi is, is, is adab and irshad. You know, that it's, there's people that you should be helping before because at aqrabun awla bin ma'roof. But it's not a prohibition. So if somebody did it, you can't make inkar of them and say you can't do that. And then he said, wandur fima huwa a'zamu. Ibn Look at something even greater, what Ibn Shah said. There's a really important point here. He said, look at something even bigger than these other things about marriage. If a qadi 
If somebody comes to a judge and says, this woman married herself without a wali, and he says, la ujizuhu, I don't permit it. This is not a legal ruling from him. Khalid Imam Ibn Arafah Ibn Arafah said, the meaning of this is that it's not permitted for somebody to rescind that marriage after him saying that. Why? Because what he's saying is, it's not permitted in my madhab. Right? And what he's saying is, it's makru. So you have to follow every hukum and what follows what 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 follows from that legal ruling and the hukum of makru is you can't if something's makru you can't rescind it after it's happened so if you have a contract and there's something makru in it even though you did something that was better that you shouldn't have done, you don't rescind it. So a woman in the Hanafi madhab is permitted to marry herself without a wali. She's her own wali. She's her own wali. And the hadith that there's no valid marriage without a wali does not apply based on that understanding. And so even though Madik said she has to have a, 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 a wali, Abu Hanifa said she, she can be her own wali. And so in that case, if the marriage happened, you don't rescind it. That it's encouraged to make tawbah from a makruh. Remember, he's talking about maqam al-jid. He's talking about the highest maqam still. So these people make tawbah from the makruh. I mean, one of them said, you don't have ma'rifah of Allah until you make tawbah from your khawatir. Because these are people that they don't allow bad thoughts into their minds. They control their thoughts. So look at if it's makru, if they should have left it for something better, the muhtasib, the regulator, the one calling to good and forbidding evil, he can leave that person in what he's doing and consider it better. Like Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah mentions in I'lam al-Muwaqi'een that he was with Ibn Taymiyyah and they passed by some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the Mongols and they were drinking alcohol. And he said, shouldn't we, shouldn't we condemn them? He said, he said, listen, Leave them doing this because they'll be out raping and pillaging. It's better they're doing this than doing that. This is it. Uh, Imam Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah saw this himself. And he said this is from his fiqh because قِلَّةُ الْإِثْمِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ كَثْرَتِهِ A little bit of evil is better than a lot of evil. So it's better they're doing that than they're doing something else. That's worse. The same is about chess, people playing chess. In another one, they said, why don't you condemn them? He said, this preoccupies them from backbiting. Let them play their game. Because if you take that away from them, they'll just sit around talking about bad people. This is the, this is the hukum of the hispa of ghadim li nafsi, not of the higher people. 
قال الشاطبي في موافقتي قد رأيت ترك ترخصي في مواضع ترخص يوقع في مفسدة أو مفاسدة يعظم موقعها شرعا إمام شاطبي said that I've seen leaving these uh, licenses for people in many places where the license is, is, is acceptable leads to a, a greater mafsada, a greater uh, harm. So what he's saying is that if you don't allow these licenses for people, it actually leads to worse uh, problems. So, قال ابن العربي, the great قاضي, قلة الاثمي بنسبتي إلى كثرته خير كثير. I didn't know that was coming. It gets back. This is the this is the the qaida. This is the rule. A little bit of evil uh, in relation to a lot of evil is a great good, right? قلة الاثمي بنسبتي إلى كثرته خير كثير. وقال في الأحياء هكذا ينبغي أن تفهم حمد ما يحمد وذم ما يذم. وإلا جهلت قول القائل الصادق حسنات الأبرار سيئة المقربين. You have to understand this of what's praiseworthy uh, and why it's praiseworthy and what's blameworthy and why it's blameworthy. And if you don't understand this, you will be, be misunderstand what this truthful statement is that the good deeds of righteous people are the, are the, are, are the, 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 the bad deeds of people in the highest station. Hasanatul abrar, sayyatul muqarrabin. Waqala fi mawda'an akhar, mubahatul awam, sayyatul abrar. What's, what is permissible for the common people are bad deeds of righteous people. Everything's relative, even sinfulness. I mean, this is, this is something that our ummah, we need to understand with each other. And then he says, Based on how strong the khidaf is, uh, is the strength of being, guarding it and watching out, being vigilant about it. So if there's difference about whether or not it's uh, legislated or not, doing it is more appropriate. Uh, and he said, Because with the death of the Prophet, we don't have to worry about things being considered far. Like the Prophet wanted to command his ummah to do siwak before every prayer, but he was worried that it would become a far. And so he didn't do it. Right? Because he took great care of his teeth. He flossed his teeth every day. He, he brushed them. He brushed his tongue. We know all, all these things. And, and uh, his dental hygiene was impeccable. But he was worried that it would be too hard for his uh, community. So he, he let it go. But it's a sunnah to do the siwak before every prayer if you're able to. In the Maliki, not in the masjid. Because it's considered like brushing your teeth in the masjid. But you do it at where you do wudu. The Shafi'is, uh, they, they're, they brush their teeth in the masjid. So, but the Maliki's, Imam Malik didn't do it. And that was the adab of the people of Medina. They didn't do it in, inside the masjid. They did it when they did their wudu.
وكلهم على الهدى إن شاء الله وإن إن القرب إذا شهد شرع باعتبار جنسياتية مندوبة in devotional acts as long as the sharia recognizes the genus then the species is manduba it's recommended right as long as it recognizes the genus then the species is so dhikr is the genus there are many ways to do dhikr وسياتي في المقام السادس اخيرا ان النوافل ما قدر شرع ان في فعله ثوابا من غير ان امر به او رغب فيه او فعله so the nawafil are the things the sharia has, has said that in doing them there's a thawab, whether or not it commands specifically to do that or encourages it, or, or the Prophet did it himself, it's, it's that, that what's important is those things, like dhikr, there's a reward in remembering God. So musa'ada here is like, you know, when, 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 when you substitute something that you've missed, it's encouraged to do that, right? Um, so, لَعَلَا أَنْ تَعْتَاضِ بِمَا تَتْرُكُ مِنَ الْأَفْضَلِ لِأَجْلِ الْمُسَاعَدَةِ ثَوَابَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ وَاللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى مَا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ مِنْ سَبِيلِ So, like for instance, some of the ulama say that, uh, like in our madhab, uh, you don't make up witr uh, if you missed it, right? But some of the ulama say because other madhabs permit that, that the Malikis should do it anyway just as a way of t- t- to do riyadah for the self, you know, so that you don't get used to not doing something. Th- these are examples of that where, where you can compensate for what you've done. If, if you missed your wird, if you do a wird every day, like a wird of Quran or a wird of Adkar, like the Prophet ﷺ, he did certain things every day. If you miss that, then you can make it up later. That, that will help you on your path. ورشح محيدين النووي كلام عياض قائلا أما المختلف فيه فلا إنكار فيه وليس للمفتي ولا للقاضي أن يعترض على من خالفه إذا لم يخالف نص القرآن والسنة والإجماع This is another He keeps emphasizing this thing because this is such a problem in our community He says that you will see in the maqam al-sadis that there, there's things that are prohibited about your own personal property and what you have right to out of adab and irshad. You know, I have an old dictionary from, from uh, the late 19th century, and it translated into English the Arabic word adab as ethics, which I thought was so interesting, because in the Muslim world, that's really what adab is. It's akhlaq. It's another word for akhlaq. So we tend to think of it as courtesy, but it's really deeper than courtesy. It's, it's a central theme of our ummah. There's a beautiful dictionary uh, set in the West, which are the cultural dictionaries of languages, and it really helped me to study the, the, the I studied the Mexican cultural dictionary. Um, my family's uh, Mexican, and, and so, so there's a, there, it helped me to understand better 
the Mexican culture is very different from the, uh, the and there are multiple Euro- European cultures in America. So you have, you know, you can't equate, for instance, uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants with Irish Catholics. These are very different cultures in America. Um, and so, you know, even though they're both white, uh, they're, they're different. They come out of very different cultural, uh, and they have a different set of cultural uh, understanding. But in Mexican culture, and, and obviously you can't lump all Mexican culture because you have the Indian culture, the mestizo culture, you have the, um, the more Hispanic uh, uh, European type of culture. Because in Mexico you have the light-skinned Mexicans that uh, tend to pride themselves on being European. Same in Argentina and many other places. But there are certain things that really are helpful to understand a different culture. And we really need a dictionary of Arabic cultural terms, of Muslim cultural terms. It would be really useful to help people, because the Pakistanis have theirs, the, you know, it would be really useful to have that. You know, like in Saudi Arabia, there's a whole set of, uh, uh, of cultural terms that they understand. Inshallah means a lot of different things in Arabic. You know, are you coming to the to the Uzuma? Inshallah. You know. But if you wallahi, inshallah, I'll do it. That's very different from saying inshallah. Right? So these are, you know, these are they're different in different places. So the adab, some things are prohibited out of adab and irshad. Sometimes it's telling you not to do a virtuous act because there's a more virtuous act to be done. Sitting in the masjid is a good thing, but it's makru just to sit there and not do anything. You should be doing dhikr and reading Qur'an. But sitting there not doing dhikr and qira'at al-Qur'an is better than sitting there backbiting with another person sitting there next to you. Right? So everything is, is relative in that way. And the same is true like for the mujawar in Mecca. Like, they should make hajj every year, because they're in Mecca, there's no taklif of having to travel and do these things. Or, it's makru for the person to, uh, to, um, to not inseminate, uh, uh, you know, in their spouse, to, to, to practice birth control. Makru, but it's, it's permitted. The Prophet didn't say it's haram. Right? So these are examples of that. And and uh, these are our great ulama. Qad Iyad said, if the ulama differed on something, you cannot say it's haram. If they differ, don't say it's haram. And beware, because la tafturu Allah Don't make lies uh, on God that this is halal or this is haram. وَإِنَّمَا يُغَيِّرُ مِنْهُمْ مَجْتَمَعَ أَوْ يُغَيَّرْ مِنْهُمْ مَجْتُمِعَ عَلَىٰ إِحْدَاثِ وَإِنْكَارِهِ So the only thing that can be, remo- can be removed as a munkar is what they agree on, that it is a, it's, it's a bid'a, madhmuma, and it's a munkar. And Muhyiddin, uh, uh, Muhyiddin, uh, I know he preferred to be called Yahya. He didn't like that. His father named him Muhyiddin. But he felt it was like a claim. So he preferred to be called Yahya. Muhyiddin, um, in, in, you know, I always say like, in those days they had Shamsuddin, Sirajuddin, Muhyiddin. They had all these beautiful names, like the son of the religion, 
the moon of the religion, the light of the religion, the help of the religion. This is a, very common in the East. Now we need like Shaukatuddin, Mal'aqatuddin, Kaslanuddin, Mu'attiruddin. You know, these are the names that are more appropriate today, like the fork of the religion and <laughs> the one, you know, making the religion look ugly. Muqabbihuddin. So, uh, so he says, as for what's muhtarafihi, there's no inkar in it. This is muhiddin, uh, anawi. Wadaysa al mufti, it's not for the mufti or the qadi to oppose something because they differ, uh, with another in it as long. مَا إِذَا لَمْ يُخَالِفْ نَصُّ الْقُرْآنِ Now, nas in usul is a very specific thing. In other words, if it's, if, if it's khilaf, if it's ظَاهِرٌ nas, you know, if it's mubham, if it's mujmal, if it's muqayyid, if it's mutlaq, there's different considerations. But nas sariyah min al-Qur'an is there's no doubt about it. If it, if, if it goes against nas al-Qur'an, or the sunnah, or the ijma', then, then you can condemn it. Otherwise, no. وَانْظَرْ فِي آخِرَ الْمَقَامِ السَّادِسِ مِنْ فُتْيَ الشَّاطِبِ إِذَا كَانَ عَمْنَ النَّاسَ عَلَى قَوْلٍ مَرْجُوحٍ فِي النَّظْرِ لَا يُعْرَضُ لَهُمْ يُجْرُوا أَنْهُمْ قَلَّدُوهُ فِي الزَّمَانَ الْأَوَّلِ وَجَرَبِيَ الْعَامَلِ If you, you'll see in the maqam al-sadis from Imam Shatabi about the futya, the fatwa, if the people are acting according to a weaker opinion, based on your understanding. Don't concern yourself with it and consider it to be something that was done earlier and now the amal, this is what people are doing. Because if you condemn it, it will lead to a fitna. So even though it might be a weaker position, by trying to force people to change that position that's become something that they practice, you're going to create fitna. And fitna is much... Fitna to akbaru min al-qatri. It's worse than killing people. Don't make fitna amongst the Muslims. وَمِنْ مُقَدِّمَاتِ بْنِ رُشْدٍ So Ibn Rushd's مُقَدِّمَاتِ مَخْتَرَفَ الْعُلُمَاءِ فِي تَحْرِيرِهِ وَتَحْرِيمِ فَهُوَ مَكْرُوهٌ وَمَنْ تَرْكُوا أُجِرْ وَمَنْ فَعْلَ بِي لَا يَأْثَمْ Whatever the ulama have differed about its, its permissibility or its prohibition, it's makruh. If you leave it, you'll get a reward, and if you do it, you're not sinful. وَقَالَ الْقَرَافِ وَعِزَّ الدِّينِ مَنْ أَتَى شَيْئًا مُخْتَرَفًا فِيهِ يَعْتَقِدُ تَحْرِيمُهُ أُنْكِرْ عَلَيْنِ لِيَنْتِهَاكِيَ الْحُرْمَةَ وَيْنَ أَعْتَقَدَ تَحْلِيلُهُ لَمْ يُنْكَرْ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ مُدْرَكَ الْمُحَلِّلِ ضَعِيفًا يُنْقَضُ الْحُكْمُ بِمِثْرِهِ فِي الشَّرْعِ Imam al-Qarafi and Izzuddin ibn al-Salam said, whoever does something in which there's difference of opinion about, believing that it's haram, it should be condemned if he does it, because he is he, he's, it's sacrilegious. What he's doing is, is intihak al-hurma, that he's violating uh, the sanctity of that act. But if he believes that it's permissible, he should not be condemned for it. Illa an yakun mudrak al-muhallil ba'ifan, unless the, the one who considers it permitted, his, his, uh, his proof is very weak. Yunqadar hukumu bimithri fi shara'. In that way, the category is rescinded by its like in our sharia. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ عَمَرَ فِي التَّمْهِيدِ This is really important. Abu Umar is Ibn Abdul Bar, one of the greatest scholars in our history. 
حافظ المغرب قال ابن ابن ابو عمر في تمهيده الا ترى ان الصحابه اختلفوا وهم الاسوه لم يعب احد منهم على صاحبه اجتهاده ولا وجد عليه في نفسه الى الله الشكوى وهو المستعان على امه نحن بين اذهرها تستحل العراض اذا خلفت he said look at these sahaba they differed and they are our example and yet when they differed one didn't fault the other and he didn't even find something in himself that made him dislike the other and then he says to god is our complaint and to god is our help with an ummah that we're living amongst that considers it permissible to attack the dignity and honor of others just because you've disagreed with them subhanallah this is the early salaf imam al-thawri is like imam malik or abu hanifa he said if you see a man doing something in which there's a difference of opinion and you believe that it's wrong don't tell him not to do it وقد امر المهدي مالكا ان يجمع مذهبه في كتاب يحمل الناس عليه فقال مالك اصحاب رسول الله تفرقوا في البلاد واخذ اهل كل ناحيه عمن وصل اليهم فدع الناس وما هم عليه امام مالك was asked by the caliph mahdi let's gather your school put it in a book and and force everybody to follow it look what malik said رضي الله عنه the companions of the prophet dispersed in the lands and each group took their understanding with them and what had come to them so leave people alone in what they're doing you know this is a umma of ikhtida this is a beautiful statement this is an umma of ikhtida just leave people alone leave them alone if they're doing something and it's mukhtarafi maybe he is warimun nafsi there he is you know playing his flute or whatever or playing his shatranj or or watching his movies or whatever they're doing he's warimun nafsi but astafahu allah because he says la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah he believes in the quran he's from the people that allah has chosen according to nas alquran thumma awrathna alkitab alladhina astafayna min ibadi min ibadina faminhum warimun nafsi Yes, there are amongst these chosen people, people that wrong themselves. Women who muqtasidun, and then there's people that are so-so. Women who sabiqun bil khayrat, then there's the outstrippers, bi-idhnillah. Dharika huwa al-fadrul kabir. Jannatu adilin, yadkhulunaha. We've got paradises in Eden, they're all going to be there. I don't want that vadim nafsi in there. <laughs> Why does he get to go? He doesn't deserve it. Who are you? Do you proportion God's rahmah 
You're the one that is going to decide. Jenna's a hotel. We've already booked it, our little group. You're not getting in there. <laughs> We've, <laughs> right? We booked all the rooms. You're going to show up. No, your group doesn't get in there. You're going to get there and they're going to say, sorry, the Firqa Najia, they booked all the rooms. <laughs> and our Firqa is obviously the Najia because it's our Firqa. Everybody claims they're Layla's boyfriend, but Layla doesn't have anything to do with any of them. وكان سيد ابن السراج رشح هذا ويقول إذا ظهر للمرء خلاف ما يظهر لغيره فيمتنع في ذاته ولا يحمل الناس على مذهبه فإنه يدخر عليهم شغبا في أنفسهم وحيرة في دينهم Listen to this wisdom He keeps repeating this stuff over and over again because he's trying to get this through to us Listen to this wisdom This is what سيد ابن السراج considered to be the appropriate position If it appears to somebody uh, the opposite of what he sees another doing, he shouldn't do it for himself, but he shouldn't force others to follow his opinion because this will cause shahab. This is going to cause, it's going to disrupt society, it's going to cause uh, unrest, it's going to cause tumult in the society. This is what's going to happen in their own selves. They're going to have shagab fi anfusihim. Wahiratan fi dinihim. They're going to get confused about this religion. What is this religion? He says it's this. He says it's that. He says it's this. I'm confused. You turn one channel on, on television in, in, in the Arab world, and you've got a mufti saying, A'udhu billah, this, that, and the other. And then you turn the next channel, and they're saying exactly the opposite. What's going to happen to people? Just the comment, if this is what the ulama are saying, you've got one alim saying, أعوذ بالله هذا مبتدع مضل شيطان. And he's talking about another scholar, and then the other scholar says, أعوذ بالله هذا عنده زمحيمرز, الله يعفو عنه. This guy, he's got Alzheimer's disease, you know, and, and may Allah forgive him. This is our ummah, this is what we're reduced to. Just our ulama, this is how our ulama sound. How's the common person going to sound? If this is the ulama attacking one another on, on, on public television for millions to see, how can any, and this, and then the almani comes along and says, and then Iblis is saying to God, like, you chose these guys? You know, over me? You chose, look at them. Look how pathetic they are. So in the end, Iblis is the winner in this game. The Prophet ﷺ said that Iblis has despaired. He's despaired of being worshipped on the Arabian Peninsula. But he's content with sowing dissension amongst you. He's content with that. It's enough for him. And, and, and this, is, this is our own, this is our tradition. Look how enlightened it is. And how could anybody deny, I don't understand. <laughs> Are they ignorant of it? I don't know, but it just amazes me how they can take these positions of utter arrogance and arrogate to themselves 
My way is the only way. These are ignorant people. This is baghi. That's what Allah says about the people that went before us, that they didn't start differing until knowledge came to them. And each one, Baghiyan Bainahum, Fakhruddin says, each one says, this is the right way and your way is wrong. Our religion is, I think my way is right, but I could be wrong. I think your way is right, wrong, but you could be right. That's our deen. That's Imam Shafi'i. And again, I'm not, this is, we have hudud to this. There are, there are opinions outside of the limits. But this is mahajjah. It's a wide road. It's a jada. It's, the sharia is the wide road. It's not a narrow road. You know, narrow is the way. Right? I mean, that's, that's another religion. Our way is the wide way. That other religion is for the elect. Like some of some sects in that religion think there's only 124,000 people in paradise. Bad odds. If you're in that religion, man, that's those are bad odds. Given there's so many billions of people have existed, but our, that's the elect. The elect are different. Th- those are the awliya and the the high, the shuhada and the sadihun. And but there's vadimuni nafsi. These people are Allah's merciful. They're going to be with uh, the righteous in paradise. They have different maqams, but Allah has promised that to them. And then what's evil? And then he says, "Tumma uh, اطلعت على اصول الفتيا للامام تقي الدين ابن صلاح وقال اذا كان للمفتي مختار ياخذ به في خاصه نفسي بينه للمستفتي يقول له مذهبك كذا وانا يظهر لي كذا if a mufti is going to give a fatwa then and he has an opinion but the madhhab is other he can tell the one who's asking him for his opinion this is what the madhhab says this is my preference he can say that ومثل هذا أيضا ما ذكر عياض عن ابن الأغبس كان كان مشاورا في الأحكام وكان إذا استفتي ربما مشاورا في الأحكام وكان إذا استفتي ربما يقول أما مذهب بلدنا فكذا وأما الذي أراه فكذا Sometimes when he was asked for a fatwa he would say as for the, the practice in my country or my city it's, it's this way but my personal preference is this وانظر في الأقضية للخم في المفتي إذا استفتاه أحد الزوجين في يمين بالطلاق هل يفتيه أو حتى يحضر الزوجان يحكماه بناء على التصويب وعدمه. And look at what Imam Al-Lakhmi said about one of the zawjas, one of the uh, uh, spouses asking about divorce. Can he give his opinion or does he need to bring the two spouses to hear both sides of the story to see what happened? ونقل عياض أيضا أن قاسم بن محمد كان عدم من محمد بن عبد الحكم سأله عن ابن خالد فقال له أراك تفتي الناس بما لا تعتقد فقال لو سألوني عن مذهبي لا أخبرتهم قال القاسم بن محمد نفعنا الله باختلاف أصحاب محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم في أعمالهم لا يعمل العامل بعمل رجل منهم إلا رأى أنه في ساعة ورأى أن خيرا منه قد عمله 
Ayyad also mentions from Qasim bin Muhammad, and he was more knowledgeable than Muhammad bin Abd al-Hakam, who asked, uh, Sa'aru ibn Khalid, ibn Khalid asked him and said to him, I see that you give fatwa to people with things you don't actually believe yourself. And he said, if they ask me about my personal opinion, I would tell them. In other words, he would do what he thought was the best for them, even though he might have thought something else. And then he said, that uh, Qasim ibn Muhammad said, Allah has benefited us with the differences of opinion amongst the Sahaba of the Prophet, the companions of the Prophet in their actions. And these people used to do things that they saw that there was room and they would see that other people did different things that were better than them. So this is the difference of opinion. So whatever you take, you shouldn't be upset about other things. You follow what is appropriate uh, for you. Both Qadayyad and Imam Nawawi, two really some of the greatest scholars in our history, they said that the school of the masters is that every mushtahid is correct. And Abu Hamad in his great Usuli work, Al Mustasfa, he doesn't say, but I'm saying his great Usuli work, Al Mustasfa. And Ibn al Arabi fi Masarikihi, so Ibn Arabi said the same in his work on Usul, which is called Al Mahsul. And the Mus- all these are what our Imams have said. Waqar ibn Rushdin fi Muqaddamati fi Muqaddamati al Sahih an Abu Hassan al Ashari. Inna kulla mushtahid musib. So Abu Hassan al Ashari says every mushtahid is correct. Qar waqal al Baqalani Abu Bakr the great Qadi judge from Iraq. Innu madhabu Madikin. This is the opinion of the Madikis. Tuma qala fahadhi jumratun kabiyatun iman basaru Allahu wa fahamu fi bayani sahat al Qawri bi taswib al mushtahidin. Wahiy min al masail al qatiyat. Tuma qala faida sah darika wa istahala an al haqa fi wahdin faliyta awal al hadith. So Imam Baqalani said this is Madik's madhab, and then he said. This is a, this suffices as a summation for the one who God has given inner sight to, the one who, who God has made to understand the opinion that all of the mushtahideen are, are correct. And, this should be understood decisively in our community. And then he said, If that is true, and it seems impossible that the truth uh, then you have to in, uh, make some type of interpretation of the hadith when, 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 when it's, it appears to be impossible. And this is based on the, on the hadith, إِذَا اشْتَهَدَ الْمُشْتَهِدُ فَأَخْطَأَ right? فَلَهُ أَجْرٌ right? he, has, he, he has an ajr. وَإِذَا أَصَابْ فَلَهُ أَجْرًا إِذَا اشْتَهَدَ الْمُشْتَهِدُ وَأَصَابْ فَلَهُ أَجْرًا for his ishtihad and for his soundness. وَإِذَا أَخْطَأَ فَلَهُ أَجْرٌ right? So then they say, okay, well, it says if he made a mistake. So how can you say they're all correct? If he made a mistake with Allah, we don't know. Or else it wouldn't be ishtihad. It, ishtihad is when you don't know. If we knew with certainty from a nas 
There's no ishtihad fi mawrid al-nas. La ishtihad fi mawrid al-nas. But when there is ambiguity, when there's difference of opinion, that's what ishtihad is. And in those cases, we don't have, the Prophet ﷺ is not here for us to ask. Unfortunately, he's not here for us to ask. If he was here, we could just say, Ya Rasulullah, what's, what's the legal ruling of flying in a jet plane? Because we know it pollutes the atmosphere. He might say, A'udhu Billah. You know, don't, don't fly in jet planes. They're evil things. There's more evil in them than good. He might have said that. I don't know. We don't know. He's not here to tell us. So we have to make ishtiyad. And people say flying in jet planes is, people do it. The ulama do it. The, so they say it's okay. Now we might have to rethink it, given what we know about what's happening to the ozone and what's happening to, maybe, maybe these things are much more harmful than good. Maybe we do need, our ulama need to reassess all these things. We need mujtahidun to do that. That's not an easy thing. ورأيت فتيا لابن عرفة قال قول ابن حزم أجمع أن متبع الرخص فاسق مردود بما أفتى به الشيخ المتفق على علمه وصراحه عز الدين بن عبد السلام and as for I saw from Ibn Arafah the great Tunis, Tunisian Maliki he said I saw an opinion of Ibn Hazm who was a great scholar but he, he he's a controversial he's one of the controversial like Ibn Arabi and others he's one of the controversial ulama he said, there's an ijma' that whoever follows dispensations is a fasiq. He said, this opinion is unacceptable to say that whoever follows licenses is a fasiq. It's unacceptable. And it's better what, what the shaykh, that muttafaq ala ilmihi wa salahi. See, there's ikhtilaf about Ibn Hazm. And this is, he's saying, look, everybody agrees on, on Izzuddin, Ibn Abd salam And he says, لا يتعين على العام إذا قلد إماما في مسألة أن يقلده في سائر مسائل الخلاف. It's it's not an obligation on a common person if he follows an imam in one opinion that he has to follow him in all the other opinions of khilaf. لأن الناس من لدون الصحابة إلى أن ظهرت المذاهب يسألون فيما يصنع لهم العلماء المختلفين من غير نكير من أحد. وسواء اتبع الرخص في ذلك أو العزائم لأن من جعل المصيب واحدا لم يعينه ومن قال كل مجتهد مصيب فلا إنكار على من قلد في الصواب So he says that people from the time of the Sahaba until these madhabs emerged they would ask the ulama who differed about things and they wouldn't say one was wrong and the other was right whether they followed the rukhas or the azaim because the ulama differ in the licenses and in the hard things, they're different. This is al-mizan. You know, in the Mauritanian madrasa, this is what Sheikh uh, uh, Bayya bin Sadiq told me. He said, in the Mauritanian madrasa, they studied the Maliki madhab until they got to the highest levels. of. They would really master the madhab. The last book he said they read was the Mizan of Sha'arani. It's a book that he wrote to show all of the imams were guided and they differed in rukhas and azaim. They differed in hardship and ease. When one's hard, the other's easy. When one's easy, the other's hard. And he called it the mizan. And he shows in all these different masail how this mizan is like a divinely guided. He, he shows how they really did create a balance in our ummah to allow people to take easy positions when they needed to 
and, and to take hard positions when they wanted to. And this was the last book that they read in order to create tolerance for other schools and other opinions. So, we have some... Uh, what should you do if you see somebody doing something that is haram, but you don't know if there is ikhtilaf in the matter? Well, that, it's a good point. That is one of the conditions of Amr bin Ma'ruf and Nahi an munkar that you have to know that there's mujma' ala, ala mas'ala. You have to know that there's mujma' ala. That's why if you see it and you're not a alim, you, sh- you can say in your heart, Allahumma innahu munkar ankarnahu. That was what Ibn Omar said when he saw something he couldn't change. He said, oh Allah, this is a munkar. You don't say it out loud. You say it, this is inkarul qalb. the strong mu'min is better and more beloved to God than the weak mu'min in everything, in knowledge, in practice, everything. He's more beloved. But in both is good. So in that case, if you think it's a munkar, you reject it in your heart and say, if I was able, I would change it. You know, because it's a munkar in your method. What you learned, it's, it's haram. But it could be in the other, unless it's, you know, something, this, there are things called ma'lum and adim for darura. So, like wine, everybody knows it's haram. But it could be grape juice in a wine glass. So, in the ba'd al-dhani itham. Right? If a had, and husn al-dhan, khasratani, laysa shayun yujadu fawqahuma min al-khayrati yuhmadu. Like the poet said, there's two qualities. There's nothing over them. Having a good opinion of God and having a good opinion of the servants of God. If a hadith and a teaching of the madhab differ, the example of the wali for marriage, should the hadith not take priority? Abu Hanifa knew the hadith. What he was saying was that that hadith has taqsis. So if she's underage, if she's not murashada, uh, if she's somebody that hasn't achieved fully uh, her abilities, things like that, then she can't because in that case she might get into something that's prohibited for her, right? So she's protected by her guardian until she's of age and she can think for herself. At that point, she's so he understood it differently from the other imams. It's not that he didn't know the hadith. This is really important about these imams. They knew all the hadiths. There's only, there's less than a thousand hadiths that relate to ahkam. Right? Less than a thousand. Some say there's less than 500. But the point is, is that they, they knew these hadiths with rare exception. There might be some instances where they didn't, but they really knew them. Imam Malik knew the hadith on the prohibition of fasting on Friday. But he didn't take it because he had a, a, another delil he thought was stronger. Many examples of that. So it's important to know that, and this is, see, this question is exactly how people fall in 
to the modern discourse. Look at these Malikis. The Hadith clearly says they should hold their hands on their... Why are they leaving it at the sides? Right? And there's a book that was written years ago, um, which by uh, an Azhari imam. It was written at the request of uh, Hassan al-Banna. It's called Fiqh sunnah If you read that book, which nobody who's not trained in, uh, in ilm should read that book. If you're not trained as a faqih, you should not read that book. That book is, presents a very simplistic view of the madhabs. And you can really misunderstand because he's not dealing with the usul of the imams. And so he'll present daleels, but he doesn't understand that, that within the madhab, that daleel is not the strongest daleel. So he, he's, he's basically doing tarjih. So he's creating another madhab. That's what madhabs are. They're, they're mushtahidun giving their opinion of what should be followed and what shouldn't be. And that's why, like Nasruddin al-Albani's book, Salatun Nabi Ka'annaka Tarahu, the prayer of the Prophet, as if you see it. That's as if you were Nasruddin al-Albani seeing it, based on him reading hadith. The Hanafis, they saw, they saw, Abu Hanifa saw Sahaba praying. His prayer is the prayer of Ibn Mas'ud. Imam Malik had 600 teachers from the Tabi'een who saw the Sahaba praying, including Ibn Omar. His, one of his dominant teachers was Nafi', the Mawla of Ibn Omar. Imam Malik studied with him. Nafi' lived with Ibn Omar, who was, of all the Sahaba, he was one of the strictest in following how the Prophet uh, did everything. And the Prophet said, Sallu kamara'aytumuni usali. Not ka'annaka tarahu. He didn't say pray as if you see me praying based on your reading hadith of how I prayed. He said pray as you see me praying. Who saw them praying? The Sahaba. Who did they transmit it to? The Tabi'un. Who did they transmit it to? The, 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 the Tabi'a Tabi'in. This is how our prayer, it's mutawatir. Now if you say, well then why are there differences in praying? What differences are there? You think about this. Go to Mecca right now or Medina. You're praying five prayers a day, five prayers a day. Not six, not seven, not four, not three. You're praying five prayers a day. Whether you're Ibali, whether you're Ithna Ashari, whether you're Zaydi, whether you're Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi'i, Hanbali. It doesn't matter what sect of Islam you come from, in Mecca and Medina, they all pray five prayers a day. Because all four imams, all, all of the imams are in agreement on that. How are they praying? Standing, qiyam. Oh, some people put it here. Some people put it here. Some people put it here. Some do things like that. Right? And some people leave it here. Based on practice. The Prophet ﷺ did, he, we know he did the qabal. For me, the strongest delil for uh, the qabad is in the muatta of Imam Malik. People say, well, there it is in the muatta. Why don't the Malikis do it? Because Malik put several hadiths in the muatta that he didn't practice to show, I know the hadith, because it's taken from the mudawwana, not from the muatta. And there's a khidaf amongst the Malikis. The dominant opinion is leave the hands at the side. Now, the, if you're going to do qabad, for me, the strongest opinion is the Hanafi. 
Because there's no hadith that indicates where the Prophet put his hands except the weak hadith that Abu Hanifa took that he put it under the surah. So when he, when he prayed, you know, they go from here, some people go from here, hadwa man kibain, that's where the Malikis go, some go from behind the ears, right? But they still do the same thing, <laughs> right? Whether you do it from here or here, it's, it's the same thing, Allahu Akbar, and then either there, the Shafi'is put it above the surah, فصلي لربك وانحر, put it on the nahar, according, that's a, a weak tafsir, but uh, that is an opinion. And then, so those aren't big differences. They're all standing. And then Fatiha, they all agree on Fatiha. And then they go into Ruku'ah, same Ruku'ah. Then they come out of Ruku'ah, have to be Istiqamah. Then they go into Sajda, same Sajda. Then they go into Julus, same Julus with a difference of Iftirash, slight difference in where you put your feet. Then they go back into Sajda. And then they go up again. That's one Raka'ah. That's a, that's a miracle that our religion prays the same way. There's no other religion on earth in which all of the entire ummah is united in prayer. With slight differences, just relax. <laughs> you know, look, I'm a Maliki, I'm bothered by Malikis that do it like that. It's distracting, even to me. I've got a guy next to me and he's going like that. That wasn't how I was taught. You know, it's a very slight movement. <laughs> You know, even Ibn, Ibn al-Arabi says, don't wave, wave it like that. He said, Don't do the thing that they say in the Utbi. So there's khilaf about that. But, but the Malikis, you know, they do the, the thing. Or some put it like that and do it up and down. You know, that's, that, that's a dominant opinion like that. Some do it that and then they just raise it when they do the Shahada. They put their hands same place. These are very slight differences. The, 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 the prayer is amazingly unified. Really. And then tajweed to me is the great miracle of our ummah. Because nobody in the history of religion has preserved the recitation of their revelation like the Muslims. Nobody. The Greeks, if, if I studied the Koine Greek, my teacher who was a master of, of New Testament Greek, she didn't know how certain things were sounded at the time of Jesus. Because they don't have tajweed. The Jews differ on how they pronounce things. They don't have the tajweed that we have in recitation of the Torah. Not, not to, they learned a lot of these things from us. How they recite now, they learn these from, this is fact in, in Jewish religion. Can you please clarify further, uh, how permitting some sinfulness, less sin, balanced with the idea of flexibility within the boundaries of Sharia? Yeah, it, I mean, they answered their own question. It has to do with degrees of transgression, avoiding greater harm. That's it. So, in other words, if by forbidding the sinfulness it's going to lead to a greater sin, you don't do it. Those are from the conditions of commanding to good and forbidding evil. It's just, and that takes hikmah, you know, whoever's given hikmah, they have a great good they've been given. The Prophet الْحِكْمَةِ to teach them the book and the wisdom of how to apply the book, when to apply the book, when not to apply the book. What about differing between Ali and Muawiyah? They fought each other. Please explain. How do we reconcile this with what we are learning? That's a really good question. Um, and uh, they, they made ishtihad and, and, and their ishtihad led to... Uh, to a fitna. It's a fit, it's called a fitna. So fitnas happen 
undeniably. The, the proof that the Sahaba did it uh, is a proof that even the best people fall into fitna. And this is part of, uh, it's, it's a learning lesson. But the amazing thing about those people is that they had great magnanimity uh, in their, in their uh, character and they displayed uh, in, uh, incredible displays of, uh, of magnanimity. Um, the Umayyad, unfortunately, did some terrible things. Uh, thank God for Amr ibn Abdul Aziz who came. He was from Bani Umayyah and he rectified things. Some people call him the Khalif al-Khamis, the fifth rightly guided caliph because he stopped a lot of the things that they were doing. But, we, you know, that it happens. Fitna happens. So, uh, you know, it's a good question and fitna does happen. Um, what is the difference between the following positions? You said if some ulama uh, encourage something and others prohibit it, like reciting the Quran for the dead, we should side with the Rahma Ibn Rushd. But another opinion you mentioned, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because halal and haram is different from ikhtilaf in karahiya. If, it, if, if it's an ikhtilaf in karahiya, then doing it is better than not doing it. If it's an ikhtilaf in prohibition, then not doing it is better than doing it. That, that's the difference. So maybe I wasn't clear on that. What is the name of the book you are reading from? <laughs> this book is called Sanan al-Muhtadin. Sanan. Mistakenly sometimes called Sunan. It's Sanan. Sanan is a road. So it's the path of the rightly guided. Fi maqamat al-Din. In the stations of this religion, of which he's identified nine. And it's by Muhammad bin Yusuf al-Abdari, mean, meaning he's from the family, the Qurayshi, uh, Abdul-Dar. The Bayt Abdul-Dar. He's an Abdari. So he's a Qurayshi originally. Al-Gharanati. Uh, uh, he was from Andalusia, Granada. He died in 897. And he's known as Al-Mawaq or Sidi Al-Mawaq. He's a famous Maliki scholar. He's still, to this day, his books are studied in the Madhab. Tajul Iqlil is a very important resource uh, for Maliki fuqaha in fiqh that he wrote. Uh, he was a great Usuli scholar. And he was... He literally is Khatimat Ulama al-Andalus. He's, he's the last great alim of Andalusia. There's nobody after him. Uh, he has a famous miracle that's mentioned in uh, Ahmed Baba Timbukti, I think, mentions, or Ibn Farahun, one of them. That uh, when, when they surrendered Granada, he, he didn't want to go with the group to visit the Christians. So he stayed in his home. And they surrendered with 80 conditions. So it wasn't an unconditional surrender. One of their conditions, they would be left to practice their religion freely. The Pope later on rescinded that, uh, saying that they were infidels and that we had no obligation to fulfill our, our, our uh, treaty with them. But he, um, the minister wanted, uh, the Christian minister wanted to meet the most learned of their scholars. And so they went to uh, Sidi al-Mawak and they asked him to, uh, uh, to come and he didn't want to go. And they, they begged him. So he went. When the minister, the Christian minister put out his hand, Mawak kissed his hand, which really ticked off the ulama because they thought it was khunu' you know, like humiliating them. And they spoke. And then when he left, the man's hand swelled up and started turning black. 
And he said, go get that man and bring him back. And they brought him back and he took his hand and the swelling went down and the color restored. And um, many people saw that miracle. And they say in interpreting it that he was letting them know, you know, that you've defeated us materially, but watch out because there's still spiritual power in our community. So, wallahu alam. Alhamdulillah, subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, shadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa tuwilaik. I want to uh, um, welcome uh, Sifra uh, Davud Alu, um, one of the notables of uh, Turkey. Um, her father's a great man, and she's a great woman too, but, um, and her companions that are here uh, as guests, inshallah. We're really their guests, but um, uh, they're our guests also. So we welcome them and uh, inshallah, Allah yubarak fikum.